0: exalt you, Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Thank you, Lord. Blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are awesome, God. You are awesome, Lord. We exalt you. We lift up the name of Jesus. The name that transforms and changes and heals and renews. We lift up the name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord God. You are seated on high, mighty God. We have no doubts about that, Lord. We exalt you and you alone, mighty God. We fear not because you are with us, Lord. We can do all things through you who strengthen us, God. And we thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we ask you to continue to just move in our midst, Lord. Have your way this morning, Lord God. I pray that what comes forth would be relevant to the times that we're in, Lord God. That would be relevant to your people, Lord, that they would receive, that they would receive what you pour out upon them, God. We thank you for your presence here today, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, to anoint me, Lord. Simply use me as a vessel that you work through, God. I, I empty out myself of me, Lord, and I ask you to take over, Lord God, take over my mind, take over my mouth, take over my thoughts, Lord God, that you would minister your word through me, God, that you would simply use me as an instrument, Lord, that it would be as if it was you standing here, Lord, ministering to your people. I pray that you would open up their minds and hearts, Lord God, that they would receive your word this morning, Lord God, that it would make sense them, Lord God, that we would not leave here the same, but that we would leave here changed, transformed, renewed with fresh vision, fresh insight, Lord. So I ask you, God, in spite of who I am, in spite of my deficits, Lord, I ask you to use me this morning, Lord God. You have your way in us and let your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. This is a holy holy week. This week, today is Palm Sunday. For us, this week and this this time is is just so relevant in our faith. And I know that we live in times that uh, that there's a lot of questions. But I thank God that He's still moving in His church. And I'm going to talk about, uh, just about being a willing vessel for the Lord this morning somewhat, and we'll see what He does. From there, we have been talking about the refining of the house of God and the preparation uh, uh, for the Lord for His return. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a little bit out of uh, Isaiah. Father, I pray that you take away distractions out of my mind, Lord God. Let me be focused on you, Lord. I need you this morning, God. I thank you for your people, Lord. We are a blessed people already, God. I pray that we would, Father, tap into those spiritual blessings, Lord God, that through obedience, Father, that you would reveal yourself, Lord God, as far as as, uh, your promises are concerned, Lord. And I thank you that through obedience, we unlock doors in order that your promises pertain to us, Lord God. So I know that we are not going to do without, Lord God. I know that in spite of what's taking place, you are moving. Let's go to Isaiah 42. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Word of God says this, here is my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will be will will put their hope. This is what uh, this is what God, the Lord, says: He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you. Uh, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. And will make you to be a covenant for my people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes of the blind. To free the captives from prison. And to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place. And new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. Hallelujah. So somebody say new things. So there's new things that are taking place. And, and uh, the times that we live in are very exciting. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about, about what this day means, Palm Sunday. But I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a vessel. So let's go to another scripture uh, in the book of Mark. Mark Mark 11. You can mark it as I read it. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this, tell him. The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So I want to talk a little bit. We'll start off with the donkey. Somebody say donkey. We see that the Lord can use anything or anybody as a vessel. And, and uh, you know, this is where Jesus is at. This is it. It all comes to this point. He has been ministering for for three years. He has been uh, uh, sharing. He has been calling his people, which is the church of the time, calling them back to him, gathering his people. And though many rejected, there are those that grabbed a hold of him. But here he is at this time. He knows that once he enters in proclaiming that he is king, he knows that at that moment that that the religious uh People of the day are gonna wanna kill him. They're, they're because he's proclaiming that he is God. So right now there's a lot going through, a lot going on in his mind. There is a lot being stirred up in the in the heavenlies and on earth. These people that are going to this uh, to Passover are just participating in in, uh, in an event that will take place. Once a year. And here's Jesus. This is the last Passover that he's going to go to. And right now he's at a place. I'm sure he's just wondering. He might be a little uh, uh, maybe nervous. Maybe. I mean his heart is breaking because he knows how far the church has drifted from really from its purpose and from him at this time. So the preparation is beginning. And let's read on a little bit. And I'll go on a little bit more. Let's go to verse 4. They went and found a colt outside uh, the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some of the people standing there asked, What are you doing untying the colt? They asked as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus uh, and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. My people's, my, uh, many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches. They had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, he who comes in the, uh, who, blessed is the kingdom, is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. He looked around um, at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So as I've been talking about the preparation of the church, I just felt compelled to share a little bit about this time where Jesus is truly trying to gather his church. This is, this is a, a time when, of course, we know that the church had drifted just as it has now. We see that, that, it, that this time that we're in is almost running parallel really to where, uh, where Jesus was at at this time. We're in preparation for the return of Christ. And, and at this particular time, Jesus was there. He was with them. He was among them. Uh, like I said before, some rejected him. Some embraced him. But we know that, that it was difficult for, for all of those who embraced him because uh, the Pharisees or the religious of the day didn't believe that he was the Messiah. But even though all of the signs were there... You know, Jesus was at a point right here when he, when he was calling his people. And his heart was breaking and his heart was crushed because he understood what the church ha- had become. A-, a church that was just full of religious practices. And, and uh, so here he was, the last calling. The price was going to be paid. And it was time for the church to, uh, to arise. There was a shift that was going to take place. And, and, and we know that the people were in captivity. They might as well have been in ca- back in Egypt in captivity because they were under Roman oppression, but because they had drifted so far away from the things of God. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you know, we're at a place where we see so much taking place. I look around me. I, I watch news. I, I try and watch the news that's relevant. I want to know what's going on around me. I want to understand the times that we're living in. And, I, and then I, I simply realize. That even these people that have been placed in office or in position are simply all, all they are is just, you know, really it's the Lord who has placed their puppets. They're puppets for the time. God is establishing what He's establishing right now. And right now, He's shaking up the church so that we can respond to Him. He's He's breaking the religion so that we can respond to Him in humility. See, uh, uh, we're at a time where even in the church, there's, there's so much pride, there's so much confusion. We're in agreement, many that are, that, you know, the church is divided as far as, as really what truth is concerned. You get on the internet and you see things being preached that, that don't align with the word. You see things being preached that do align with the word. So there's so much confusion and so much division in the house of God. But I understand this that as Jesus is preparing you see this right here what we just read about is the start of the week of ministry right now he started at this point after this as we as we I don't know how much we're going to cover today but he's starting to call the people in he's starting to bring them in he's starting to give them messages that are relevant warnings. He's starting to uh, to say, look, uh, you know, it's time for you to grab a hold of truth, and I believe that that's what's taking place right now. We're in, in a time that's so, so relevant, a time that everything is being shaken. He, I see our president, he, he's simply a puppet for Satan's agenda, which is being presented right now in such a way that you know, Satan wants us to get used to the immorality or the separation from truth so that pretty soon we're buying into it. But there's those that are going to stand and those that are right that are rising up. And I- I'm not afraid of rights being taken away from us because that's what's going to happen. Just look at it. I mean, we're talking about gun control. We're talking about all these things. But it all, what it all amounts to is control. And what this control is meant to do is... Is it's meant to put fear, but really what God wants it to do is it, He wants it to empower the house of God. See, empower the house of God, not so much to go fight for our guns. I mean, we've, we've, we've never needed guns before. Why are, Jesus didn't need a gun. What did he do when Peter chopped off the servants here? He said, "This is not a time for violence. I'm telling you the violence needs to happen on our knees. I'm not against guns. I do have guns. i got to admit that. But I'm not, I'm not against them. But uh, it's not so much the rights that are being taken away or what's going on in this nation. is What it's got to do is it's got to stir us towards the Lord. It's got to stir us towards Christ. It's got to stir us towards the times that we're in. we got to discern the times that we're in so that we can be relevant and so that we can truly have a, a strategy for these days that we live in. So through all this, all the confusion and division going on around us, Satan wants to bring division in the house of God. But I'm telling you that we gotta be unified like never before. See, Jesus was gathering those that would be gathered at this time. He's riding into into the city, proclaiming that he's the king. It's throwing everything off. There's a spiritual, there's a spiritual thing taking place. Satan had taken captive captivity, really, the Lord's people at this time. It wasn't so much the Romans. It's because of their disobedience that God had allowed them to be in captivity once again. So now Jesus is saying, look, I'm here to proclaim freedom. Not freedom by force, but freedom because of what I'm going to do. So right now he's calling his people. He's writing in. The people that loved him are, are, are putting their, their, their coats down on the floor. They're, they're putting these palm branches or, or these branches, whatever they were, down on the floor. And, and Jesus is being glorified. And many of them are confused because they're thinking, okay, Jesus is here to take by force, to take back what, what has been taken from us. But yet he was there. Merely to die on the cross in order to be resurrected again. And, and, and so it all came to this point, this week, this time. And, and I'm telling you, you know, for us, we really need to keep our eyes open and we really need to be focused. Because it's easy to be distracted. We really need to come into alignment. We, we really need to discern really what is God and what is our own selfishness. What is our own? What is our desire? What what is our responsibility in these times? What has God called us to do in these times? So here Jesus is stirring up the church. He's going into uh, uh, the temple and he's stirring everything up. He, he's he, he's he comes to different areas where he's pronouncing judgment and and you know and here he is. As I was even praying about this, I said, well, "What does all this mean?" What. Why did all this take place? What, why, what was the relevance of, of, of the donkey? What was the relevance of, of a donkey that had never been ridden? What was, that, that was simply the meaning was because it was an animal that had never been used before, it was being used as a sacrifice. And the ultimate sacrifice was being ridden in on this donkey. And, and here was Jesus. And I thought to myself, you know, what, what is going on? Where are we at in history? And then I remember that Jesus was was going throughout the temple and he was cleansing all of the every all of the religion that had that had started dwelling within that temple. All of the religion, out of the, all of the buying, all of the selling, all of the you know these sacrifices that were being made were, were 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 being purchased. And and here we had the Gentile or the ungodly people. See, at this particular time, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. What he was doing right now is he was seeking after Israel. He was seeking after his own people. That's where he was at, though the scripture pertains to us. But at this time, he was trying to gather the church of the day. He was gathering everybody that had been scattered. Those that had been confused. Those that had been uh, planted uh, ideas that really caused them to be separated instead of draw closer to the Lord. So he stirred everything up in order that people would respond to him and would grab a hold of him and would grab a hold of truth. And and I'll tell you, it was such a confusing time for them. That week was very confusing for everybody. There was approximately 2 million people in the city at that, that week. They were there uh uh for for the celebration they were getting ready to sacrifice something like 250,000 sheep it was a big to do god you know Jesus knew that this was happening so there was a stirring a rumbling God was calling his people just like he is now you see what's taking place right now is I'm going to tell you the truth Jesus is stirring up our our lives we have been too dependent on too many other things than the Lord. I mean, even really right now, what's, you know, I'm telling you, it's, it's strange because I see even America going through prosperity. One thing that I have seen is sometimes prosperity can be a curse if we don't know how to handle it. It's a blessing. God has called his people to prosper. We are called to prosper. But I have seen people that once they start Prospering, they start falling away from the things of God because they become more dependent on their prosperity than they do on the Lord. See, finances are just a tool, are just a tool, even a tool in the kingdom. All they are is a tool. Where you know, <clears throat> as I as I I I go to a supplier, I pay them on a monthly basis. I, I go there and we call it trading. We don't call it buying. So for us, we got to look at finances as trading, as, you know, we're simply, it's simply a tool for us. So we got to be careful even. I know that there's a lot of people here, laboratory employees, uh, uh, maybe state employees, whatever. In fact, this, what, this pandemic hasn't even hurt many people here in our community, other than the fact that it's hurt them in, in different ways. But as far as, as finances are concerned You know, maybe restaurant workers. But but the jobs here are stable. So so what we got to understand is we can't count too much on things. We got to be ready for the return of Christ. You see, we're at a point of desperation as we were talking about it, me and my wife the other day. It's really a heaven or hell situation right now. It's really about the church rising up right now. We, I've talked about it before, you know, as Jesus was stirring up the church, as, as there was a, a stirring taking place and he's going through and he's driving out all these people. I mean, Jesus was, was not a punk. He was, he was tough. You got to be tough to go inside of a place and, and take authority and start whipping people and whipping th- and getting things and, and stirring everything. You got to be tough. But he knew when to be tough. See the church needs to know when to be tough. For us, you know we we you know as as I see, you know even as conservatives as we are, man, we're still we still don't we still we got to be a voice. That's not right. Legislation for abortion is not right. Legislation for legalizing uh, uh, marijuana is not right. This leg- legislation is not right. Uh, 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 this country is so medicated. We're we're so to everybody's medicated. Everybody's on something, uh, you know, because there's uh, there there's a spirit of anxiety. But 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 the anxiety or the anxiousness shouldn't be really that causes fear. But what what should make the church anxious? is he says to look up. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh, he says. Jesus is coming. Align your life. Get prepared. I mean, I wonder how many people in the church are not going to make it. So he thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not, I mean, I'm telling you, the times that we live in are so, so relevant. It's like this, like, like the last week, like the holy week. It might not be lasting a week. And it might. I don't know. But the thing is, are we ready? We can justify things. Many times we look at things everybody else is doing, but we fail to look within or look at our own, you know, what's under our own home or what's, or what's under in our own families sometimes. So the time of alignment has arrived. The, I mean I've told you before that soon after he's preaching about the wedding banquet, of course he's telling them about the wedding banquet. Well, everybody has gone and done their own thing right now. the Pharisees or, or the priests or the religious leaders are prospering through through this big celebration that's going on. It, it became about money, it became about about status about i mean you know. Too many in the church are, are too concerned about what they look like on the outer. What is going on on the inner? Is, is it a backslidden church that the heart has, got, has grown cold towards the mission of Christ to seek and save that which was lost? There are those that are lost that are on the streets, those that are lost that are hurting, those that are lost that are in need of a Savior in the Lord. Those that are lost, and, 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 and what is the concern of the church? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, the concern of Christ are those. See here, the every all of these people, the Pharisees and the religious group, they thought they were going to make it. So Jesus presents to them this thought. He says, "Look, there was a there was a, a, a king or whatever he called him, and he's and he's having a wedding banquet for his son, and everybody's the, all of those." Uh, all of the people that were meant to be there, which is the church, have been invited into the gathering. They're, they've been invited. Jesus is calling them in. And nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. They were the church. They were supposed to be there. They were supposed to be attentive. They, they were like like, like the, the ten virgins. They were like, I mean, they, you know, half, half of them were ready. Half of them weren't. We're so full of word that people anymore think that, that it's in knowledge that salvation comes instead of it being a hard thing. We've been so used to being schooled uh, that we think, man, the more we, that we know God because we know the Bible, we know God because we're surrendered to the Bible, not because we know it. It doesn't matter how much scripture you, you or I know, how much of it are we surrendered or submitted to. How much truly are we obedient to? How much truly have we said, Okay, Lord, I'm going to just drop everything. I'm gonna. How many are sold out for the Lord? How many are on fire for God? Where's the fire? So Jesus starts to deal with it. He says, Okay, here's the church. The church can stay there. But I'll tell you what. When the church isn't going to respond, He will go to the highways and the byways. We, I mean... You know, it's time. It's time. Somebody say it's time. It is time. It is time. You know, I, I'm blessed. We're here. We're here. We're, here we are. We're, we're, you know, God shows up. He's here. So here we are. You know, it seems like people are starting to gather more. People are starting to get out more. You know, we're saying, you know what, we're, we're, we got to do what we got to do. It's time. It's time to seek the Lord. I mean, you know, but the reality is, where is our heart at? Where is our heart at? What, what, truly are we sold out 100%? Are we 100% Christians? Are we 50% Christians? Are we 70% Christians? I mean, it's, it's like I've said before. Man, if, if you went to court, how many of you here have been to court? <laughs> Liars. Okay, everybody. <laughs> you've gotten tickets before. <laughs> yeah, everybody. <you> know. <laughs> Even if it's with somebody else, but okay, you know, I mean, that's that's something different, you know. But the reality is this: what if you went, you were on you were on trial? There you are, you're, you're, there you are. Your lawyer is right there, huh? Representing you. You're right there, sitting next to him, and all of a sudden, the accusation comes. You're accused of being a Christian. Okay. Then all of a sudden they start calling witnesses. The witnesses start coming. Well, they said they were a Christian. Are they really a Christian? What's the evidence of being a Christian? What is the evidence? Can you present evidence that they're a Christian? Well, I don't know. I I, I can't present evidence that they're a Christian, but I can tell you that they've done this, this, and this and this. And I don't know if that's Christianity or I don't know if it isn't. But what's the evidence? So then they bring the other side, uh, uh, those that say you aren't a Christian. Well, I've seen them doing this, this, and this, and this. They're always doing all of this, but they're rarely in church. You see, God is coming back for a church. He's not coming back for a Lone Ranger. He's not coming back for somebody that says they're a Christian. See, because a church... Or the bride is active in what Jesus wants him to be active in. Which, or should be, which is winning souls. Okay? So, uh, through that activity and through the purification of the house of God. Because, come on, what could be considered a spot or a wrinkle or a blemish in our own lives? What could be considered a spot or a wrinkle or a blemish inside the house of God? Well, And I'm not talking people, I'm talking about actions that we take, or, or maybe actions that we don't, or truly a heart condition. Because really, that's why the church is many times so confused, because they don't know who they are. They're so busy living one way outside of the church, and then coming to church, and then really, oh, well, I pray about this, and I pray about that, and I pray, and I pray, and I do this, and I do that. But truly, are you sold out for Christ? Because that's where Jesus was at right now. We saw it with, with Peter. I mean, he, he walked with him for, for those three years, left his family, left a business, a family business, left everything. But then when it came to it, what did he do? He denied. He denied it. He, you know, Jesus, here, here they were. They were supposed to be sold out. But it went, when it came down to it, When, even at the foot of the cross, who was there? Because all their their trust, all their hope, all of them really were in denial. Jesus, I'll follow you all the way because the Bible says that when Peter said that he'll do anything, the others were in agreement. We'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever. We're all, we'll all acknowledge it. Let's all do what we need to do. But I'm telling you, when it gets to the place where the rubber meets the road, when you're at the foot of the cross, and you're at the place where there's a need, and we're at the place where where, where there's danger maybe up ahead, but we know that we got to witness. We know we got to see it through. Somebody's got to see it through, and somebody's got to do something. When you're at that place, many times there are few and far between Because the foot of the cross is a dangerous place. we heard it when Brother Dan was here and who was at the foot of the cross? was it John was he the only, was he the only uh, apostle that was there, disciple that was there? who was it? Where were the other guys? everybody had abandoned they were a scared they, had, they were scared they had a uh, scared they were a, you can laugh. Come on, you said that before. <laughs> Maybe you were small when you said that, but you said, <laughs> oh, I'm still kind of small, you know, in size. But, but I'll tell you what, to God, I'm big stuff. <laughs> so, you know, here they were, afraid. They, and they didn't want to go anywhere near that cross. They saw, they saw three people, three people, two of them were criminals at that cross. So they themselves have reached a place of denying. And I'm telling you, more and more and more as, as the church, because look, all these things that are, all these rights that are being taken, taken away from us are, are, are going to bring one thing. Persecution for those who are standing for truth and who are standing for Christ. Persecution for those that are standing for righteousness. And I'll tell you what, what persecution does it does a couple of things. I was reading the book of Acts, and, and, and I was reading about Stephen. How Stephen, you know, we, those of us that know the Bible, he's there, and he's basically on trial, and he's telling them all about the history, you know, and then he brings up Jesus. And he says, and he tells them that, Jesus, that they, they, he goes in their face, and he tells them something like this. You know, here we were, Moses brought us to this point, here we were, the Messiah has arrived, Jesus has come, and you yourselves murdered him. The Bible says that, that when he started telling them that, that they grabbed him and they started dragging him, and they dragged him out of town, and then that they started throwing rocks at him, and he was looking up, and, and all of a sudden he got a vision because he was in the spirit, and, he, and the Bible says that he saw Jesus right next to to God the Father, and then all of a sudden, he said it out loud, and, and they started closing their ears. They went like that. And after that, they started killing him. So, and then the Bible says, how many Christians were watching him? And, and I mean, I'm not saying that they should have done something or not done something. What I'm saying is, uh, after that is what took place, the Bible says that Saul, who is Paul, started persecuting the church, and the church scattered. But what took place when the church scattered is the Bible says everybody that, that was scattered or those that were scattered were the ones that started preaching the gospel everywhere. I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, uh, <laughs> persecution <laughs> causes a revival to take place. I'm going to tell you something. A comfortable church will never have Revival. Because of the fact that we don't want to pay the price. Because a revival does this. It costs you time. It costs you prayer. (laughs) Uh, Your lives are laid down. You know, we saw the revival that took place when uh, Ananias and Sapphira, when they took the money. I mean, these people were giving everything. That was a revival. They were selling all their property. They were doing what, I mean... Selling our property, that's not God. And I'm telling you, it's not God unless he says to do it. But if it is God, would we obey him? So here they were, you know. And, and all of a sudden, you know, this persecution breaks out. But the church, the, the United Church, they just started, there was just a few of them. But they were united and all of a sudden it starts a revival. All of a sudden things start to happen. Uh, uh, right now I'm telling you what, there's... There, I, I, see, I see it, and, and it's even been pronounced, not, on, not only over this house, but I see a bunch of hot lava. I saw it the other day when we were ministering in Albuquerque. There's, a, there's, there's like a bed of hot lava, and, and, it's, and it's hot, really, really hot. And when it gets to a certain temperature, it's going to explode. And I know that, that you know there, there is, and I'm telling you, it's getting a little bit hot in here. I'm telling you, if we don't align with the Lord and if we don't allow him to burn off those areas in our lives that need to be burnt off, I'm telling you the truth. Because most Christians are like this, I don't need to change. Can I tell you something? That Christianity is this, a constant losing of your identity. It is not a one-time deal. Many times we think that we lose our identity once. But our, and then, So then, if we lose our identity once, and I've told you before, and we make our identity, huh, if we make our identity maybe a position we hold, or a job we have, or, or maybe something that we do, or, or a business that we have, or a trade we have, or, or if we make our identity, uh, uh, you know, cars we drive, or a house we own, or what, if we make that into our identity, I'm telling you what, Man, we're one of those that aren't going to make it into that banquet when the time comes. Because our identity is not found in Christ. Busyness is not an excuse for for not coming to church. I mean, there's six other days of of the week to be able to do things, (laughs) honestly. But for some reason, Sunday sounds like the best day to do it. And I'm just telling you flat out, it ain't going to cut it for me anymore. Even, even the way as I've been going, it's still not going to cut it because there's something new that's taking place and there's a rattling and a shaking, but I need to stay at the foot of the cross. I need to stay at the foot of the cross because that's what your identity is. You look up at that cross all the time and you see it. You see how much of a nothing you are. I know how much of a nothing I am. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through, but as I'm passing through, where am I at? What is my what is truly in my heart? How much do we pray? I remember I had a Christian brother came to came to church here. We worked together. And we prayed before work. And as we were praying and seeking the Lord, we would take turns praying. And, and just like anything else, that becomes religious too. Repetitive. See, because what we do being that we're used to having repetition in our lives, you know, it, things become repetitive that we think we don't need to do it anymore. The day you don't need to pray before you come to church if you're in ministry is the day that you've lost your power. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation, but you lost your power. Because anybody can say beautiful things. I've seen it before. It's not really in what you say, even, in, it's truly in what you pray. So here we were, and we'd go around, and then pretty, all of a sudden, I, I, I sensed that my, my brother was backsliding and going back. He wasn't quite there, he was still coming to church. But then all of a sudden, when we started calling on him to pray, he would say this, I can't pray. I said, how come you can't pray? He said, I don't know. I just don't have anything to say. And then slowly but surely, you know, it took a while, months, not in church anymore. And then after a while, backslidden. After a while, family falling apart. Marriage and trouble. All these, I'm telling you the truth. It's in the simple things. Even in the repetitiveness, I'm telling you that God is there. (coughs) Because what he's looking for is an obedient heart. So here was Jesus (laughs) calling his people come on in, come on in. I'm proclaiming. See, Jesus is right now. I'm going to tell you something, and I'll just start ending it with this. I remember when my wife encountered Christ. And I saw her. All of a sudden, the Lord was building her up, building her up, building her up. Well, I've got to tell you, and I've said it before, I was was king of my house. And I'll tell you that even in Christianity, sometimes... We as men, we think that we're king of our homes still, and, and, and we take on a, our king, a king role or a, a king position. When that's not at all what it's supposed to be, we're the covering of our homes. And with that king position is what we do is we rob the rest of everybody from rising up because we have all of the answers. And so so people, you know, the people in our own home could potentially be uh, suppressed or oppressed or whatever. But I'll tell you, I was king of my house. She started meeting Jesus, and all of a sudden, he became her king, and I was dethroned. But I'll tell you what, there's many of us that need to take ourselves off the throne today. Because we've gotten used to being on that that throne, that place of decision. I mean, we do things because we think they're right, but many times, do we really pray about them? We know what's right according to truth, but how much do we pray about the next step we're going to take? How much do we we, do we are we ourselves going through motions uh, uh, just because we know that they're they're the motions that that God wants us to take, or are we going through the motions because they've become religious? So after a while, when when things start becoming religious, then we're not taking ownership of what our responsibilities are. And we look at those that that they lack, (laughs) or we think they lack in what they're supposed to be doing. But I'm telling you, God right now is refining. So he's calling his church closer. And and I mean, you know, I used to tell, we started out ministering to youth. And and I'll tell you, uh, it's difficult in the house of God because when somebody is raised in the house of God, many times they don't realize the privilege that God has given them by raising them in a place of protection. Protected by truth. But what happens sometimes, and, and, and we've seen it, we've been around a while, is these kids start to look over the fence and desire the things of this world instead of being satisfied or fulfilled with what God has done in them it's just like any other christian so what we would see is is those that had been raised in church that, that that God had a had a call on lives would start to look at at the things of this world longing i'm telling you longing for those things and then and then after a while what would take place is 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 pretty soon they would start partaking in those things. And then once they started partaking in those things, being that a, a Christian, it seems like the consequence hits a Christian a uh, 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 hundred times harder than it does somebody that is just doesn't know any better. So as these consequences started hitting them, we just started seeing so many things taking place. And some even lost their lives to overdoses and to different things. And it doesn't have to be just drugs, but it has to be whatever looking over the fence. Anymore, anymore what it is, there's is so much sexual sin that is consuming this nation, this, this, this city. I mean, it, it, there, there's so much of it. The tendency is many are looking over the fence, wanting to be satisfied by things out there instead of being, you know, really fulfilled with the things that are inside of the house of God. So, so I used to tell these youth this. I tell them, look, you don't have to go through what I went through with all of the addiction and with all of this other stuff. I tell them this. You know what? If you don't want to be here, don't be here. Don't be in the house of God. God doesn't. God's not begging anybody to be here. It doesn't change him one way or. It doesn't change his plan. It doesn't change his purpose. Uh, you know. He, he desires that we fulfill his will. I'm expendable. Something happens to me. I'm, we're all expendable. But I tell him this, you know what? If you, don't, if you can't serve the Lord with all your heart here, go, knock, go do it. Go knock yourself out. Go indulge. And after you indulge, you know, there will be a place for you to come back. But whatever you do, learn how to do whatever you do wholeheartedly. Not just 50%, not just 20%, not just 30%. It's time to be all in. And and really that's where the church is at today. Are are we all in? We're not all in because we say we're all in. All in means they surrendered and submitted not only to the purposes of God, but under the covering where God has placed you, you know, uh, really grafted into what God has called you to do. Working for the Lord. Working for the Lord. There's gonna be work in heaven. It's you know, laziness won't get it. It's time to work for the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads now. And we're in this house. You know, we don't have to know each other, but we know that there is a plan through all of this, and there's a purpose through all of this. But the reality is we need to get to work. It's time as God is gathering us together, we want to become an unstoppable force. So in order to be able to get to work, an effective work is to align. So this is going to be part of this, part of this altar call is, hey, you know what, those that want to be in alignment, those that want that to say, you know what, I, I know that there's areas that I, I know that I need to lay down some things. And it doesn't have to be sin, it has to be self. We relate an altar call to sin too many times. It's not related to that. It's related, look, uh, there's areas that I know that I'm not close uh, as close to God that I need to be. We need to have clarity as we, as we hear from the Lord. The only way to have clarity is to lay down everything submitted and surrendered to his bride and to him. So this is not a sin issue, though it can be. But if that's you, I want you to come up because I believe that God wants to give us some some freedom today and some passion today. Where is the passion? See, Purpose is driven by passion. Purpose is driven by passion. Me having a title doesn't make me passionate. Title doesn't make you passionate, a title makes you accountable. So I would ask anybody anybody else that would come up and say, you know what, I need to align in order for me to be more effective in my walk. You can come up. I'll wait for a minute. Those that would say I need to be prepared. I remember my old pastor used to say this. He used to say there's three kinds of people. Those that watch things happen. Those that make things happen. And those that wonder what happened. And those are the kind of people we have in the church. What happened? You have seen. So, Father, we come to you with a heart, Lord. And you a heart after you, a heart that needs to be prepared for the things that are to come. A heart that would desire to move forward truly in your plan and purpose, God. A heart that would desire just to find you, Lord. Too many people in church that don't know what their identity is. We're so unsure. But truly, I know that our identity is this. We are your children, God. And as your children, we have rights, Lord. But we also have responsibilities, God. So I thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. There's enough of us in here, Lord, that we could start a move. I understand that the lava is hot, Lord. The stirring is taking place. And revival will come. The only thing is, will we be part of that revival, God? Will we usher in what you want to usher in, Lord, through obedience, through submission and surrender to you, God? I ask you to deal with us individually and corporately, Lord. Removing those things, those obstacles, they don't even have to be sin obstacles, God. Maybe they're attitudes. Whatever they are, Lord, we ask you to deal with those areas in our lives, God, so that we could... Move forward in a productive and obedient way, Lord. I thank you, God. I don't want to be justified in my excuses, Lord. I want to be surrendered to you, God. So as you're calling us to that place, to that higher place, we surrender. Somebody say, I surrender. I surrender. Along with that surrender comes and anointing, an equipping, and empowering. So I proclaim right now, Lord God, I proclaim that we are a fivefold ministry, Lord. I proclaim that you're stirring up gifts that have never been stirred inside of us before and inside of this church. I proclaim that we will be used in these last days. I proclaim that revival is coming. I proclaim that you're raising up young people, that you're raising up middle-aged people, old people, uh, kids, Lord. You're raising them up at this time, God. So I pray an extraordinary explosion, Lord, upon your people. You gave us the word explosion when those doors opened up for the first time, God. And we've seen different things that might have looked like an explosion, God. But I know that there's a greater explosion coming, Lord. So we ask you to prepare us for that explosion in order that you be glorified. For we, you will not give your glory to anybody else, God. So I thank you for your people, Lord. And I thank you for these families represented here. Those that are, are praying for family members, we agree with them, Lord. Touch them, bring salvation, Lord God. Stir them, whatever it takes, God. Your word says today is the day of salvation. So we thank you for the call. We thank you for the passion. We thank you for the desire. We thank you for the vision. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are your children and you are our God. Bring reconciliation to those that need reconciliation, Lord. And let your will be done. We exalt you and you alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn it up a little bit, please.